Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. So we are, we're starting our, our series, Unto Us, this morning. We're t- going to be t- discussing different things about that about Advent. And um, I, like I explained to you guys last week, I'm not somebody that was raised in church, so... A few years ago, I heard people talking about Advent. I had no idea what it was. So let's take a look at what Advent is really about. So it's with this definition, the Advent in Latin means coming. The translation in the Greek is, is this word here. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, so I won't, I won't mutilate it. Um, but it means presence or an official visit. So Advent means that it's time for us to focus on an official visit. Some... Um, Teachings back in uh, many, many hundreds of years ago, they uh, uh, celebrated Advent because of that Jesus had been here already. Then it changed that Advent became something that they were that they were waiting on Jesus to come after he had been born. So I'm not really sure where you stand on that, but we know that he did come. Amen. Unto us a child was born. Right. He did. He did come. He lived. Um, man, just like some of the the songs that we sang this morning, um, that uh, we we can we declared this morning that he came, he died, he lived for us, and he's brought freedom to us. And so, um, so we know that we had an official visit, and we know that soon we will have another official visit. Right? Am I right? Amen. We will. Let's look at the verse out of Isaiah, and uh, I'll read this read this to you. And it's obviously very familiar with you guys. But unto us uh, a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. One of the things I learned in, in looking at this verse this past week, getting ready for today, is that in the original text, this comma isn't really here. I thought that was really interesting, that he is... The wonderful counselor. He's not. We know that he is wonderful, but we always. I always think of this as he is wonderful and he is a counselor. But the comma is not there. He's a wonderful counselor. We know that in John chapter fifteen that he told the disciples that I no longer call you servants, but I call you what? I call you friends. Unto us a child was born that would graft us in to the body of Christ. The word baptism and the water baptism, the Greek word, I don't remember the Greek word, but it means to be grafted into. How many of you guys ever know somebody that's had a really bad burn and they take skin from one place and put it in another place and it grafts into, it it becomes one. That's what he did for us. Unto us, we were grafted in. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the Holy Spirit. I've thought about this so many times that when he was also with the disciples, imagine that you, it's, and it is hard for us to imagine, but imagine that you were traveling and you were with one of the disciples and you were with Jesus for as long as they were. And then he comes one day and he says, hey guys, I, I have kind of some big news for you. I'm going to be leaving. Think about that. That Because they knew that the religious people of the day hated them and they were trying to kill him. They, were tr- they knew that they were next. And he says, hey, I know I've been teaching you all this stuff, but, but I'm, I'm, getting ready to, I'm getting ready to take off. And we're like, well, what do you mean? And he said, but I'm going to leave you something better. 
He said, I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. And He is the Healer. He's the one that walks alongside of us, the Bible tells us, in the Greek, with the Greek word paraclete. That He is the, a wonderful counselor that the Holy Spirit ministers to us and gives wisdom to us. Look at the rest of this. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of His ancestor David for all eternity. You know, a lot of, a lot of the, uh, the Jews at the time of Jesus' birth, um, they were waiting for a Messiah to come, but you know, many of them thought He was coming through King Herod. If you know much about King Herod, and his, he had these extravagant palaces, this, the foundations of them still exist. You can tour them. I've seen some stuff on, online about that and to see that the ruins that are there. But they were thinking someone's, that, that Messiah is coming and he's going to come in and he's going to rule as a king and he's going to set everything straight. But we all know that that didn't happen. But it does say that his, go, that his government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne uh, of his ancestor David for all eternity. The, the passionate commitment of the Lord and get this, and heaven's armies will make it happen. This is, six, this is a prophecy that's about 600 years before Christ was even born. But it's also talking about Him being born, and He's going to come to us, God in the flesh. But this is also talking about things that are going to happen that we haven't even seen yet. Let's look at Romans uh, chapter 8. It says this, verse 20. Actually, I'm going to read something. I'm going to read a little more of this. I'm going to. I'm going to. Uh, if you would turn to Romans eight, if you would, we'll read. A, we'll read a little bit of this together. Um, and uh, turn to Romans chapter eight, and I think I'm going to start in verse eighteen. Romans eight, yeah, verse eighteen. Um, I will. Uh, Probably read, I'm going to read a little trans, different translation. Of this, but let's just if you have your Bibles or your phones, you can you can read along with me. It says, "For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth uh, comparing with the glory that has been um, that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly awaits and with an anticipation for God's sons to be revealed." For the creation was subjected to fertility, to fertility, not willing, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that creation itself will also be set free from the bondage and decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. You know, our the 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 earth, we know that um the Bible tells us, and Jesus said that before he comes, there'll be more plagues, there'll be more earthquakes, there'll be things that are happening because the, the earth is trembling and it's happening more and more like a woman giving, getting ready to give birth those, and those things will be more intense. But also that there's things on the, on the earth that are, are decaying. And then in verse 22, for we know that the, that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now, not only that, but we ourselves have the Spirit as the first fruits. We also groan with uh, within ourselves after Thanksgiving. We uh, ate, when we eat too much. Uh, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly um, uh, waiting 
for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope, we were saved, but hope that is not, but uh, that hope, uh, let me start over. We were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope because who hopes for what he sees. Now, if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly, we eagerly wait with patience. There's things in the Bible that, that we know that we have promises, that uh, we have precious promises that help us to live with life and godliness. We talked about that a little bit last week. But there are things that he's promised to us that because unto us he came and he redeemed us, but he also gave us promises and he's our hope. He is our hope and what he's promised us and what he said he will do in our lives, that becomes our hope. But there are things, obviously, that we cannot see. Let me share something with you. I hope you guys, um, I hope you guys don't mind me sharing. Uh, how many of you guys remember the story I shared about Michael last week? How many of you guys remember that? Raise your hand. About the guy who had AIDS. Almost everybody in here remembers that. Uh, you know, share, I like sharing stories because I think it kind of brings things a little bit more to life for us and also paints a, a, like a picture for us that hopefully you take with you and hopefully it's something that will really impact your, will impact your life. So I love telling stories about different things I've seen that God do in my life, things I've seen God do in other life. And let me show you. And, and I travel, used to travel all the time and I would talk a lot about what God was doing in the lives of different teenagers around the world. And it was a great way to share that God was moving in the lives of young people. But to be able to show videos and pictures of these people really brought it to life. So I brought another picture for you guys to look at today. And um, this is when I took, there was a 96 students. We went to Costa Rica on a mission trip for 21 days. And um, before we went on the mission trip, we did a lot of training with the youth. We did uh, some evangelistic dramas. That's why some people here are dressed with their drama makeup on and costumes and things like that. But we did some, we practiced evangelistic dramas that had memorized scripture verses. And we taught them, if you're going to go and you get homesick, here's some scriptures that you need to memorize. And they had to memorize scriptures. And then we, we, would, we had different things for, if they were discouraged, they, they had different scriptures that they would memorize. But one of the other things they did was they memorized some scriptures that God would do through them. And this guy here in the uh, white baseball cap, you can also see him here in this picture. His name's Adam. And uh, Adam, had uh, he accepted Christ uh, right at the beginning of October. I remember because it was before his 16th birthday. And his parents said, oh yeah, well, his parents didn't go to church at the time. They said, oh yeah, we'll sign your papers. You could go on this mission trip, whatever. You're never going to raise $2,000. So we don't have to worry about it. Well, guess what he did? He, he, he God miraculously helped him raise whatever it was, $1,800, $2,000 to go on this trip. So he's on this trip, but he's a pretty new Christian. And we were doing some evangelistic dramas. And you can see in this photo where here's Adam and some other kids from the youth group. And then there's these two boys. These two boys had just been adopted from a couple that we, that we met on the streets. They came to see our evangelistic drama and they were Christians. But they adopted these two boys off the street. Get this, this boy is 14 and this boy is 12. They look like they were probably like eight and nine. But they had lived on the streets since they were babies. They transferred drugs for people. And they sniffed paint so much that their insides, their noses and everything were just eaten away. So they got them off the streets and they brought them into their home and they were in the process of adopting them. And then about two weeks before we met them, they got this cutie little girl off the streets and they were getting ready to adopt her. So we meet them 
And we have an evangelistic drama and uh, the two boys accept Christ on the streets. And, uh, and then later, <clears throat> a few days later, we did some church services where the youth did all the worship and they preached and everything. And um, it was a really good crowd. There were probably eight or 900 people were there. And um, anyway, so we had been telling the youth about the Great Commission and they memorized the Great Commission that they could go into all the world and preach the gospel, that they could... They could pick up serpents, and obviously we don't mean literally you can go out and pick something up, but how many of you guys know when you go to a foreign country and you're sleeping in the dirt in a sleeping bag, you're gonna, you could easily pick up something, right? Amen? Uh, even, even from stuff that you're eating. So we just talked to them about that, 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 that believers would be baptized on our trip and that people's destinies would be changed and that people would speak with new tongues and that they could cast out demons. They, and some of that stuff happened, but we talked to them that they could lay hands on the sick and the sick recover. So that night at the church service, this little guy right here, Alan, came forward. And uh, we found out later that he had uh, emphysema and he had tuberculosis. And um, when the parents had taken him to the doctor, they said that all of his, his nasal cavities and sinuses and everything were fried because he'd spent years sniffing pain. And she said, all night long, he coughed. Long as he'd been in their house, he coughed and coughed and coughed and coughed. Well, we didn't really know all that at the time. So they were at the church service and this little kid co comes to Adam and wants Adam to, to pray with him. And he's, we're using a translator. And so uh, Adam lays hands on him as a new believer. He lays hands on this little boy. And I don't know if you've ever seen this or not. And I don't know why it happens sometimes, sometimes it doesn't. But the kid, just the power of God came and the kid just fell over on the ground. And, and there's probably, I'd say, maybe 300 people coming for prayer. So there's a lot of people up front. And I can't remember what I was doing at the time. But then Adam comes over to me and he says, Pastor Rick, I really need your help. I said, what's going on? He goes, that little kid, Alan, I laid hands on him and I prayed. He fell over. I think I killed him. <laughs> and he was really afraid that the kid died. And so I went over and he goes, there's ladies over there like praying over him and everything. He goes, I really, I'm wondering, is he dead? So we go over him and of course he's not dead, but he gets up and uh, we finish the church service. The next morning we're out doing our evangelistic dramas and the family comes to find us in the city and to tell us what had happened. They took their little boy to the doctor that day and no signs of tuberculosis, no signs of emphysema. And get this, the doctor told them his nasal cavity in the skin, in his nose, in his sinuses was like the flesh of a newborn baby. That's awesome. Unto us, a child is born and he brought us all of these things. Let's look at a couple of more scripture verses. <clears throat> Thought he killed the little boy. <laughs> Second Corinthians, let's look at this. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends more and more people, it, is, it may increase uh, thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. I wish there was more of that happening here. Wasting away. That's a little fat joke for you there, Pastor Michael. No one, else, no one else appreciated it but you. Thank you. Anyway, but, but, but though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self being renewed day by day, for this light momentary affliction is preparing us for 
uh, is, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but things that are unseen are eternal. You guys, we have things unto us. A child came and there's things yet that we have seen. We've seen things happen in our family. There's things that we know that's happened in us. We know that Christ has changed our destiny, but there are things that are not yet seen and those are our hope. Look at this verse here. Obviously, you guys know, know this verse really well. It's, it's in Hebrews chapter 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. You know, we hear so much, I believe, in the body of Christ about faith. We need more faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed. Well, do I really have the faith to believe this? But let me tell you something. Faith and hope work hand in hand. Because if you know the things that he's given us that we have not yet seen, but we know that we can participate in, that's where our, we have to have that hope before faith can even be activated. Look at the, the other, uh, another translation of this. I love this. Faith assures us of things we expect and convinces us of the existence of things we cannot see. Man, how many times do we have things that we know in here that we're anticipating, that we are expecting God to do? People that, I don't know about you, but man, I remember getting, getting married and thinking, you know what, I really, this is the person that I'm wanting to be married to. And I, one of the first things on the list was, can you make a cheesecake? And she said, yes. And so it was a done deal. But, <laughs> but, but anticipating having that in our lives, there are things that we, can, we anticipate. There are things that we expect. There's things that happen that are in here. And it's our hope that comes and it ignites with our faith. I don't know if you guys have heard about this or not. And I watched the first documentary recently, and I haven't seen the second one, but there's a documentary about Muslim women, uh, what's happening in Iran. Have you guys heard about this? It's a documentary. It's fascinating. It's called uh, Sheep Among Wolves. And check this out. The, the fastest growing church now is with these ladies. Fastest growing church in the world is in Iran. And get this. They, and they'll say it. They were, all of them were 100% Muslim, and now they are following Jesus Christ. Not only that, but they are pro-Israel. Isn't that amazing? And the movement, it makes me think about different great women in the Bible. It makes me think about that this movement is led by women. That's fascinating. And right now, they, the documentary says there's between 700,000 and 1 million new believers in Iran. And they are predicting from the last two years to what's happening that it's going to double every year. Isn't that awesome? And I was listening to, the, I went back and I watched some of the documentary and this guy was asking this woman and I actually was going to play the video for you, but it's, you know, they have to disguise their voices where it's like, you know, and it, actually it sounds so creepy. I was like, you know what, it's, it's not a good, it's Christmas time. We don't need to hear that, but you can listen to it, but they'd have to disguise their voices so much. It, you know, it sounds like, you know, you're listening to some guy that's in prison or something, but anyway, but they asked them this question about what are they looking for and how does it feel 
to have this new freedom. And look at the quote that she, the lady says. She's one of the leaders. She said, yes, our minds cry out for freedom, but freedom is not what we seek because we know the uh, the uh, supposed to be we know Christ Jesus the Christ offers liberty we choose liberty you know think about that they know the difference between freedom and liberty I mean freedom we all live in a country and we have freedom but those freedoms have been from the founding fathers and there's laws and we have the bill of rights and all those things which is great but they realize that they want more than freedom. They want liberty that doesn't have any kind of earthly superior telling them what to do and how to live. That is so fascinating to me. But you guys, unto us, he has, bring, he has brought us liberty. More than freedom. He's brought us these things. Let's look at a couple of things here and we will finish up this morning. That unto us, because of this child that was born, we have redemption, just like the women that are here that we're practicing Muslims. I just looked at something and, um, you know, probably most people in here have been at least hearing about what's happened with Kanye West and his album. And I can't remember if I mentioned this last week or not, but when it, the week after his album was released, Google released the top five, and I don't know how often they do this, the top five Google searches in the world. And four of them were, and I'm paraphrasing here, what does Kanye believe? What does it mean to be, be a Christian? How do I become born again? And then something else about the Bible. Four of the top uh, Google searches in the world have to do, had to do with how to become a Christian or what does the Bible say? And it came from a person who said, I don't want to follow the world anymore. That's awesome. And I just read something yesterday about his, about his wife. His wife is Kim Kardashian for you. Know, and she said, she said, there's been an awakening in my heart that I can't dress the way that I used to. You guys, he is the redeemer. He is the redeemer. Not Kanye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kanye is not the redeemer, even though some may think so at this point. <laughs> Amen to that. Let's look at this the next verse in, in Matthew chapter 27. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. See, I asked God to give me a great wife. And next was, can you tell a good joke in my sermon? Um, it says, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints had fall, that had fallen asleep were raised. Think about that. When Jesus was crucified, and you can, you can even study this and learn this, that, you know, that there was this, that the time of the feast and everything that was happening when Jesus was crucified, they also, the Jews also blew the shofar. It is finished. They sacrificed the ram and blew the shofar and said, it is finished when Jesus was dying and said the same thing. And when that happened, for those of you who don't know, you know, it used to be you'd have the, the, the priests had 60 different things they would have to check off on a box to go in and to be the presence of the God once a year. And they had to tie bells to their robes and put a rope on them in case they didn't get one of them right because if they went in, they were in the holy bug zapper. And the bells stopped ringing and they had to pull them out. And when they did this, they had to go beyond the veil. They had to go 
through a curtain that was 30 feet uh, high, 60 feet wide. And I don't even know how you can make this, but it was six inches of fabric. I mean, think about what's the thickest fabric you have at home, a blanket or a towel? It was six inches thick. And when Jesus died, the earth shook and the, and the veil was torn, not from the bottom up, but God tore it from the top down to say, I've been in here and now you can come see me. Because of unto us, a child was born. But anyway, so, and then you think about this, you think about people that I thought, I thought about this a lot over the years reading this verse. Think about that you were, a Jew or a Gentile, and you hear about this Messiah guy, and he's died, and then there's a big earthquake, and then maybe you hear rumors about the veil tearing. You're like, hmm, that's really interesting. But look what it says here. It says the tombs were opened. How could you not believe the tombs were opened, and many of the bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection... They went into the holy city and appeared to many. There were people that were dead that came out and they said, hey, what's going on? <laughs> I'm sure they said more than that. Um, and, when the, and when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and, and what took place, and they were filled with awe and said, this was the Son of God. You guys, we have redemption but because of unto us, this child was born. We also have, I think the PowerPoint's catching up to the pad and the PowerPoint are catching up, but we, we have redemption, but we also have this thing called, yeah, can you go back for a second? <laughs> All right, we, anyway, we have redemption and here, I'm sorry, that was my fault. Gotcha. All right. I'm still, I'm still learning this, guys. Then we also, unto us, we have this thing called the marriage feast. Let me read something to you uh, if you want to check it out with me. It's in Revelation chapter 21. Um, Revelation chapter 21. And this will really bless some of you, especially those, of, well, some of you that uh, this will pertain to you more than maybe than the other. It says, and verse 21, it says, And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, uh, for the first heaven and the first earth pass, had passed away. I'm in Romans, uh, excuse me, Revelation 21, verse 1. Now in verse 2, I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of, um, out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride ordained for, hus for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is with humanity and and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, pain no more, because the previous things have passed away. You guys, I learned this a while back, actually after my first wife passed away. Some guy gave me this book. It's a phenomenal book by Randy Alcorn. It's called Heaven, and it's probably like this thick. And, and many of us know about, we hear about things with the marriage feast. We know that the Bible says that when we get there, that, that there's going to be a huge banquet for us. But in the Jewish customs, they really did have, back in the day, they had what they called a marriage feast. And so when the bride and groom would come together, it's probably where we got our idea of having a, a wedding reception after somebody got married. Um, but the marriage feast was this. Everyone would bring food. 
everyone would sit with their family and they would spend sometimes five to six days celebrating the goodness of God. But what would happen is Michael would be there with his family and his relatives and then some Michael would stand up and he would give glory to God and talk about the goodness of God for his family. And then David would come with his family and he would stand up and do the same thing. And they would eat and have a big marriage feast and all they would do was they would have fun, they would eat, and they would talk, spend days talking about the goodness of God. You guys, unto us, we have so much, but there's things yet that haven't happened. There's things yet we can't see, but these things are our hope. I think about Mary and David and about their, the guy who founded this church. He's there already. He's waiting for them. But one day, they're gonna, you guys are all going to sit with your dad. And you're going to eat and you're going to feast and we're all going to spend an immeasurable amount of time giving glory to the Father and having a great time. Man, that really, really excites me. And it gives me such hope about where I'm going and what it's going to be like and who I get to be with. Those people that have gone before us. That's so, that's so good. I love that. Let's look at... Um, Hebrews chapter 6, and I'm going to read, uh, I'll read uh, this to you guys if you want to uh, follow, along, follow along in Hebrews uh, chapter 6, and we'll finish up in just a second here. Hebrews chapter 6, starting at verse 15. I'm going to start in verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no greater to swear by, he swore by himself, I will indeed bless you and I will greatly multiply you. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham had obtained the promise. You, I'm sure you guys know and remember the story about him knowing that he was going to be the father of many nations, but he had to wait a long time. For people swear by something greater than themselves and for them a confirming Oath ends every dispute because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly than uh, uh, clearly to uh, to the heirs of the promise. He guaranteed with an oath so that through two unchangeable things, here's the first one, in which it is impossible for God to lie. When we have these things that we haven't yet seen, but we know that they are promises, know also it's impossible that God gave them to us. It's impossible for him to lie. And we have, we who have fled or refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope uh, as an anchor for our soul. Think about that. Unto us we have hope because of the child that came and what he did for us and how he redeemed us. Verse 20. Uh, let me, or, sorry, verse 19. And we have this hope as an anchor of the soul, firm and secure. It um, enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on behalf, uh, as a forerunner, because he has become the high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. You guys, the curtain was torn. Jesus was the forerunner. He took care of it for us. And this is so much of our hope. This is the hope and this is the anchor of our hope. Let's look at these verses in Ephesians and we'll finish up. It says this in Ephesians chapter two, you can follow along in your Bible or on the screen. 
Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the, gover- the, the covenant promises God made with them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him with the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united the Jews and the Gentiles uh, into one people when his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Man, that's so good. He, he did this by ending the system of the law with its commandments and the regulations. He made peace between the Jews and the Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups by God by means of his death on a cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Verse 17, a couple more verses here. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Verse 18. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. So now you Gentiles, no longer strangers or and foreigners, you are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. This is such good stuff. Verse 20, together we are, we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone of Christ Jesus himself. We have carefully joined together in him becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. You guys, unto us a child was born. Unto us his life was given. And one day, every government in the world will be subject to him. We can't see it, it's hard for us to imagine, but it's coming. And this is why we sing this scripture at Christmas time. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lovely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Unto us a child has come, unto us as we have hope our hope and the promises of God are our hope. Amen. Would you stand up with me? Lord, we thank you so much for your word this morning, the word that has the power to change our lives. God, I pray for the people that are here this morning that needed to hear from you. They needed to hear some encouraging things from your word this morning that Lord, that you have redeemed us. We do have a future with you eternally. That you are preparing a place for us to dwell forever. 
that you are preparing a banquet for us to sit with our loved ones. And that you, Jesus, you have made it so that we have been reconciled, that the veil was torn for us. That now you say, I used to be in here, but now I'm inviting you in and I want you to hang out with me. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you that your word says, even though we were sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. We thank you, Lord, that no matter where we've been, what's been happening in our lives, you accept us because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I pray for every person here today that they're just needing hope and that their hope, just think about this this morning, what you're hopeful in or what you need to be hopeful in. Maybe you've got a situation with your spouse. Maybe you've got something going on with your kids or finances or your job and you haven't had much hope. This morning, I encourage you to be hopeful. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and he resides in you. He's the restorer of things that are broken. Let that be your hope. And let your hope connect with your faith even though you can't see it. This morning, that they would that they would be united, that they would be united, and that you will stand upon His promises. That unto us we have hope that the world can never imagine. And Lord, we thank you for this this morning. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your word that you've entrusted us with it. We thank you that we get to start this great series of an official visit that happened years ago and the one that's coming for in our future. We thank you for this, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.